Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode three of Poetic Plank. In this episode, we will be exploring the concept of one human family and all the advantages and drawbacks that come along with it. The poem itself is written by an extremely well-known poet and civil rights activist, and it poses the overarching question of whether we are one big happy human family. And I'll be giving my opinion at the very end of the episode. I would also very much like to hear your opinion, so please do send them over on my Instagram, which is linked in the podcast description. And feel free to also give me any open feedback that you have. And that can even be something as simple as a poem that you want us to explore on this podcast. Lastly, before we delve into episode three, I would like to give a warm welcome to anyone listening on Apple Podcasts. Because this week, Apple finally decided to give us the green light. So all episodes even though there's only been a couple, are now available over on Apple Podcasts. So we're not just exclusively on Spotify, which is great because some people don't like Spotify and some people don't like Apple. So you can pick and choose which platform you listen to Poetic Plonk on. So today we'll be exploring Maya Angelou's poem, Human Family. Let's get into episode three. As we did in the previous episode, I'd very much like to start this episode where we explore the background of today's poet, which is Maya Angelou. Now, Maya Angelou, who is formerly known as Marguerite Johnson, was born in the US, more specifically St. Louis, Missouri. Now, upon doing my research, I actually found it quite crazy as to how many different careers Maya Angelou had. Obviously, she's known as a very influential civil rights activist in the US, but Maya had careers as a singer, a dancer, an actress, even a composer. But what I found most shocking was that she even paved the way in Hollywood as Hollywood's first female black director. And as I've just said, Maya Angelou is widely recognized as a civil rights activist. And within doing this, she was lucky enough to work with two of the most prominent civil rights activists of the 20th century. That's Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X. Two very contrasting characters. If we now turn to her literature career, it's important to recognise one of her most famous works. And that's her first of six autobiographies called I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings. And this autobiography details her formative years, so her childhood, where in one evocative and very shocking moment, she details how she was cuddled and then raped by her mother's boyfriend when she was just seven years old. And if that's not enough, which it quite clearly is, the rapist was then murdered by her uncles for what he did to Angelou which actually led to Maya feeling responsible for the killing, and she remained silent for the next five years. Now, I've tried to delve into a bit more research into exactly how silent she was for five years, but there seems to be a few differing opinions here and there. So let's just say she was extremely quiet for five years, which is very traumatic in itself. The positive in this was that 
this silence was actually the catalyst of her transition into writing. So in these five years of silence, she discovered her love of language and literature. Now, Angelou's poetry is very much applauded for its depictions of black beauty, the strength of women, and the power of the human spirit. And one notable poem that she read in a public forum was when she actually received an invitation from the then US president at the time, Bill Clinton, to read a poem. Angelou read an original poem called On the Pulse of Morning, which calls for peace, racial harmony, and social justice for everyone. And in this poem, Maya actually gives a nod to Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech, in which she pleads Americans to give birth again to the dream of equality. Now this links perfectly to our poem today, which is Human Family, where she emphasizes the human connection between each other, and that we are very much similar to one another than different. So, without further ado, this is Human Family by Maya Angelou. I note the obvious differences in the human family. Some of us are serious. Some thrive on comedy. Some declare their lives are lived as true profundity, and others claim they really live the real reality. The variety of our skin tones can confuse, bemuse, delight, brown and pink and beige and purple, tan and blue and white. I've sailed upon the seven seas and stopped in every land. I've seen the wonders of the world, not yet one common man. I know 10,000 women called Jane and Mary Jane, but I've not seen any two who really were the same. Mirror twins are different, although their features jibe, and lovers think quite different thoughts while lying side by side. We love and lose in China, we weep on England's moors, and laugh and moan in Guinea, and thrive on Spanish shores. We seek success in Finland, are born and die in Maine. In minor ways we differ, in major, we're the same. I note the obvious differences between each sort and type, but we are more alike, my friends, than we are unalike. We are more alike, my friends, than we are unalike. We are more alike, my friends, than we are unalike. Now, that was a long poem to read out. I just had to go grab about three glasses of water just so I can speak somewhat normally again. But without wittering on, let's get into the exploration. So, the first aspect that I would like to pick apart is a line that Angelou has penned at the start of the poem where she mentions, some declare lives are lived as true profundity and others claim they really live the real reality. Now, this is so beautiful and complex in its own way that it has so many layers to it. On one side of things, there are people that are living life to its true profundity. And I believe that those are the people who have 
truly lived life to its full potential. So they've got everything that life has had to give. And I don't mean financially, I actually mean through experiences, traveling the world, exploring different cultures, and really immersing themselves into these cultures. And profundity is an interesting word in itself, as it's defined as a great depth or insight of knowledge, which in this context would actually infer that they've really dived into the game of life. Now, on the other side of things, there are those people who are really living the real reality. And I think those are the people who have actually experienced life in its harsh brutalities, because as we all know, life does now and then bring various bad things along the way. Um, and in that essence, I think this line is so complex in, in the way and essence that both of these people are actually very interlinked in a similar way. Because if you have great depth or insight into an area, then that would mean that you've probably had quite a lot of experience in it. And if you've lived the real reality, then you've seen it all, you've experienced all the harsh brutalities, and at the end of everything, you've gotten the free t-shirt, which also means you've had great depth and insight into the game of life. So in that aspect, even though we do have two differing types of people here, they also are very, very similar, more similar than we would think. Now, the second line in the poem that I want to explore is a bit more of a romantic line, and that's, lovers think quite different thoughts while lying side by side. And this line embodies the overall message of the poem, in my opinion, which, at the brunt of things, is that we do have our differences, but in the grand scheme of things, we're very similar, which is essentially what the whole poem is about, so each line is got a juxtaposition in it, so it's juxtaposing one type of thing against another. Now, in this context, if you're lovers, then usually it would mean you have a fair few things in common, whether that's humor or just general interests. Now, the aspect where it talks about different thoughts is pretty self-explanatory, to be honest. I think it's fairly clear in its purpose of outlining that there are differences between the two individuals or two lovers in this case. But the end of this line, the end of this line is where I think it actually makes this into a home run because it yet again offers another juxtaposition and ties this metaphor perfectly together with the, with the start of the line, showing that they're similar, but then with the different thoughts, they're, well, different. <laughs> And then at the end, they're lying side by side, which overall gives the impression that they're similar again. And the, the aspect of side by side really gives the overarching emotion of human connection and being close to the one you love, the, the feeling of togetherness. Now, before the end of the episode, I would like to go into my opinion on if I think we are all one happy human family, or if we're even one human family at all. The overriding feeling that I actually get after reading this poem a fair few times, just to try and wrap my head around the complexities of it all, the overriding feeling I get is hope. And that's hope because 
albeit there are differences between us, they can be they can be very small. Now, over the last 100 years, we've experienced and progressed through different stages of globalization, which has enabled us to become closer to one another, enabling us to be the human family. So in that perspective, I can see us as a human family due to the togetherness and the the ease of simply booking a flight and flying across the world. Sure, like there's the financial complexity in it. I can't realistically book a flight now to fly to bloody Australia tomorrow. But the reality is, if I really wanted to, I could do that. My point is, globalization has been a huge enabler in this concept of the human family. Now, upon recording this, I think it's very, very important to recognize that we aren't one perfect and happy human family. Uh, In fact, with the tragedies taking place in eastern parts of Europe and the constant threat of terror attacks across the globe, it's quite clear that we can't be a perfect happy family. But realistically, at the end of the day, no family ever is perfect. There's always going to be tensions at various points, but there are also very happy times. And I think sometimes we do just need to remember that those times are around the corner and they will come back. Now, I'd actually like to end this episode with a quote from the late Michael Gambon, who played Dumbledore in the Harry Potter films. The quote is, Happiness can be found even in the darkest of times, if one only remembers to turn on the light. So that is the end of episode three of Poetic Plonk. Now, one thing I would like to just um, quickly make a note of is in the podcast descriptions of each episode, I include a challenge for you guys to um, essentially take part in and let me know exactly how many times I say a particular word. So I believe in the last episode, it might have been essentially or now. It was either essentially or now. But my point is that within each podcast episode, I'll be putting a a little challenge in there as to how many times I say a particular word. Because when it comes down to me editing these podcasts, I notice that I tend to say certain words um, quite a lot. So within each description of each podcast episode, there is a word of the week as such, I guess. Um, And you can just let me know how many times I say a particular word. And alongside that, let me know how you felt about the episode that week. So on that note, I'd like to wish you all a good morning. A good afternoon, a good evening, and a good night. I'll see you on the next one.